0: gathered in love and service for justice and peace. The beloved Baal Shem Tov was dying and sent for his disciples. I have acted as an intermediary for you, and now when I am gone, you must do this for yourselves. You know the place in the forest where I call to God? Stand there in that place and do the same. You know how to light the fire and how to say the prayer. Do all of these, and God will come. After the Baal Shem Tov died, the first generation did exactly as he had instructed, and God always came. But by the second generation, the people had forgotten how to light the fire in the way that the Baal Shem Tov had taught them. Nevertheless, they stood in the special place in the forest, and they said the prayer, and God came. By the third generation, the people had forgotten how to light the fire, and they had forgotten the place in the forest. But they spoke the prayer nevertheless, and God still came. In the fourth generation, everyone had forgotten how to build the fire, And no one any longer knew just where to stand in the forest. And finally, too, the prayer itself could not be recalled. But one person still remembered the story about it all and told the story. And God still came. Stuart Feierstein is professor and chair of the Department of Biological Sciences at Columbia University, where his highly popular course on ignorance invites working scientists to come to talk to students each week about what they don't know. This is an excerpt from his very recent book, Ignorance How It Drives Science. He says, It is very difficult. To find a black cat in a dark room, warns an old proverb, especially when there is no cat. (laughs) I know that this view of the scientific process, feeling around in dark rooms, bumbling into unidentifiable things, looking for barely perceptible phantoms, is contrary to that held by many people," writes Stuart Feierstein. When most people think of science, I suspect they imagine a club tied together by its golden rule, the scientific method, science with a capital S. That's all very nice, but I'm afraid it's mostly a tale. Let me tell you my somewhat different perspective. It's not facts and rules. It's black cats in dark rooms. If that sounds depressing, perhaps some bleak Beckett-like scenario of existential endlessness? It's not. In fact, it's somehow exhilarating. Knowledge is a big subject. Ignorance is bigger. And he concludes, it is more interesting. Comedian Kate Clinton bemoans the demise of the dinner party. There are many theories about why dinner parties have become less and less popular starting with our society's addiction to busyness but kate blames it on google dinner parties she says have become boring it used to be someone would raise a topic and you'd go at it trying to piece together the history or the facts arguing a little maybe about what happened and Then what happened? But now, she says, someone raises a topic and everyone pulls out their smartphone. The one with the fastest network wins and reads aloud, proclaiming the word according to Wikipedia. There's a grunt of assent around the table and the deadly party falls silent again until another topic is raised and the whole process repeats itself. In the face of just the facts, We have become lazy about meaning-making. And we long, this is not new, we long for the surety of knowing. We wonder about who we are before we are born. And more, we want to know what happens after we die. We want to know and sometimes we find not knowing unbearable. In the absence of answers, we make stuff up. On several occasions in the 1980s at the epicenter of the AIDS epidemic, I experienced a kind of permeability between reality as I know it, this being alive, and something I could not explain, but that felt equally real. I sensed the presence of a parishioner in the room where he had just died. Not frightening, but peaceful, and on another occasion profound comfort from a beloved family member who had died. When I shared this with a colleague, another Unitarian Universalist minister, he was horrified and expressed sharp disappointment in me. I never took you for someone who would believe something he said just to feel better. Well, it wasn't about believing. My mind was engaged, but the experience was of feeling, a feeling in my heart of hearts. It didn't change my theology. I didn't suddenly decide to abandon a profound conviction that this life, the only life of which can be sure, is a precious gift not to be squandered for what might and what might not come next. It didn't change my calling to the opportunity to seek to live a life of purpose and meaning, to realize the Unitarian Universalist conviction that a life well lived is a life of love and service. It merely and profoundly opened me to the possibility that there is more than we can perceive with our eyes and ears. It awakened my willingness and curiosity to be more spacious in the face of others' meaning making. Faced with questions starting with why, as in, why are things this way and not that way? And progressing to the omnipresent, where do babies come from? My friend Mike's very Catholic mother had a very singular response. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. As a kid, Mike saw this as an artful if inscrutable dodge. Now he and everyone else in his family, as well as our entire friendship group, and now you can all invoke the same response to most questions. It's a mystery. Let's be honest, we don't know. I, for one, find that profoundly comforting. Mystery. Sharing a root with mystical can be recast in a positive way. In mystery, anything is possible. Zen Master Shinryu Suzuki's classic book, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, opens with a passage that students of Zen Buddhism can repeat by heart. In the beginning, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. The Japanese actually have a word for beginner's mind. The word is shoshin, meaning a mind that is emptied of discrimination and judgment, a spacious, boundless mind, open to everything, ready for anything. This is the secret of Zen practice. This is also the real secret of the arts, says Suzuki Roshi always be a beginner. In the end and in the beginning, the willingness to live without surety, to live with our hearts against the world, to live with a beginner's mind, to live don't know, is a spiritual practice. Here are some verses from country singer Iris Dement's Let the Mystery Be. Everybody's wondering what and where they all come from. Everybody's worrying about where they're going to go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, and it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Some say once you're gone, you're gone forever, and some say you're going to come back. Some say you rest in the arms of the Savior if in sinful ways you lack. Some say they're coming back in a garden, a bunch of carrots and little sweet peas. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Some say they're going to a place called glory, and I ain't saying that ain't a fact, but I've heard that I'm on the road to purgatory, and I don't like the sound of that. Well, I believe in love and I live my life accordingly, I choose to let the mystery be. Beloved spiritual companions, life is black cats in dark rooms. Knowledge is a big subject, but ignorance is bigger and more interesting. It can be exhilarating. Let's put down our smartphones, look around the table at one another, and seek the willingness to engage life without surety, life on life's terms. May we be willing and curious and spacious. May we choose to live well, choose a life of love and service. May we always be beginners. When everyone had forgotten how to build the fire, and no one knew just where in the forest to stand, and when the prayer itself could no longer be recalled, But one person still told the story of God coming. God still came. Let's let the mystery.